Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Good morning. So good to see you all. We're the ones who didn't go away. <laughs> it's good to be here. My top, we're doing relationships. If you haven't been, uh, we're looking at the topic of relationships. We've looked at the with parent and child, uh, with the Holy Spirit. And today, relationships with people we do not really like. I'm Christian. I like everybody. <laughs> Where are people we don't like? In our families. In the workplace, oh, that's easy. At school, where we study, everywhere. There are people we do not like. In this church. Shh. People we do not like. Let's be real. There are people. How? What is God's key? And it's a very sobering key to that. So we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount. You can find the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And you can also find it in Luke chapter 6. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read four different portions out of there, all out of chapter 5. The Sermon on the Mount is what Jesus continuously, habitually taught his disciples. And we need to take cognizance of it. We need to humble ourselves, surrender to it, as we sang. You found there, chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And in the famous Beatitudes, it's in verse 2 says, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Think about that. <laughs> I can't talk without opening my mouth. I can open my mouth and talk rubbish. He opened his mouth and he taught them. We need to take note. It is serious. Nine times in this chapter, we read the word blessed. Blessed. What does that mean? As Christians, we can Christianize it. Oh, I'm so blessed. What is Jesus mean when he says, blessed are you that mourn, for you will be comforted. The word is like, congratulations. Seriously, congratulations that you mourn, because you will be comforted. Congratulations, because when you get my truths, you will find joy. Joy that supersedes pain, more than sickness, more than suffering, more than grief, more than tears, that nothing in life and death can take away joy, his joy. So congratulations when you get it. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 7, so I'm going to jump a little bit. Blessed congratulations when you are merciful. For they, blessed are you, are the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Verse 9. 
Blessed are the, are the peacemakers. Congratulations to the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Verse 21, little portion there. You have heard that I, that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I, Jesus, son of God, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, what is the altar? The altar is the presence of God. So if you're coming to the presence of God and there remember that your brother has something against you, and when are we in the presence of God? All the time. You remember your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. Go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Serious stuff. Drop down my last portion, verse 38 in chapter 5. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your Father is perfect. Relationships with those we do not like. And I have four, four points. Show mercy. Pursue peace. Confess and repent. And love. The first one, show mercy. At verse 7 in, in chapter 5 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. In the message, it says, you're blessed when you care. You're blessed when you care. What is mercy? Mercy, and many, just many definitions, but the one I want to use today is mercy is not getting what you deserve. 
We deserve judgment from God. We are sinners. But we don't get judgment. We receive forgiveness. And throughout Scripture, God urges us over and over again, forgive those. Forgive, forgive. When you know someone and what they have done, the way they've hurt you, and they, you've, you, they deserve judgment, God says, be merciful, forgive. It goes against the grain, forgive. When I was principal at the school good many years ago, my, my kids were growing up at that stage in the school. Thank God, fairly talented kids in terms of academics and sport. And I was told, not to my face ever, but through the grapevine over and over again, your kids only succeed because you're the principal. It hurt. It hurt. I had to choose to forgive those people. I had to choose to forgive. So how do we forgive? when it hurts, when it's not fair, because that person deserves judgment. There's a beautiful word in Hebrew. The word for mercy is chaste. That's how we say it, chaste. What does mercy mean, that Hebrew? What is the deep meaning? It means to get under the skin of that person, to see how they see, to feel how they feel, to think how they think. So to I totally identify with that person who deserves judgment from me. Because when I see and feel and know how they think, I will find it easier to forgive. And didn't Jesus do that? He got into our skin. He became a human being. God Almighty, creator of the universe, became a human being so that he knows how I feel. He knows what it is to be tempted. We should do the same. We offer, we decide to be merciful. Second one, pursue peace. Verse 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And the peace here is not just, it is freedom from trouble, but it's also the enjoyment of all good. You know when a Hebrew person says shalom? That's what they're saying. Freedom from all trouble and enjoyment of all good. Isn't that beautiful? The message again says, you're blessed. When you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. In our relationships, the good ones and the bad ones, the hard ones and the easy ones, amongst ourselves and towards others, do we passively sit back and just let it be? Or do we actively pursue peace? Because that's what he's saying. Actively pursue peace in all relationships. When we're amongst, when we do it towards each other, when we get a, when we get a negative reaction 
What's the natural? Well, no one's talking to me. No one's saying hello, Lane. So I'm not going to say hello to anybody else. I'm not, you don't say hello to me, I'm not going to say hello to you. We do that. Let's be honest. That is a negative reaction to a negative reaction. God says, no, be a peacemaker. When you receive a negative reaction, react positively. If you're feeling left out, if you're feeling lonely, step out. Find someone and be friendly and be a friend. When you don't get invited to that party or that dinner, go and invite them back. That is being a peacemaker, reacting with positive when we receive the negative. And amongst others, are we, do we passively watch? Oh, there's a hana going on there. Or do we help build bridges? Do we sweeten bitterness? It's so easy to sit back. Blessed are the peacemakers. And it says an interesting thing. Then you will be called the sons of God. So does that mean by being a peacemaker, I get to be saved? No, it doesn't mean that. How do we, we sang it today. How are we called a son of God when we humble ourselves, bow our knee and declare that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And that is the only way to have a relationship with the living God. That is how we become a son of God. So what is Jesus meaning here? He's basically saying, when you are peacemaking, when you are sweetening and being kind and being positive, you are behaving like a son of God. You're walking in the way of what you are. Hallowed be thy name. Is Jesus hallowed in me, in my relationships? He is when I am being merciful. He is when I am making peace. How are we doing in that? I know I, you this preach. If you have to only preach when you've got it, I shouldn't even be, I should, I don't know, I should be sitting right at the back. Let's be real. Are we getting this stuff right? But it gets even worse. Virgin commas. Gets even harder. Confess and repent. In that verse 21 to 26, it speaks about murdering in our thoughts. Murdering in our hearts. I'm not a murderer. Yes, you are. Yes, you are, Lady Curry. First one, he says anger. This is not an, a righteous anger. It is a selfish anger. An anger that broods. Well, when I see them, this is what I'm going to say. And it circulates in our head. And we don't want to let it go because it's my right to be angry with them. And we plot revenge. And we will not let it pacify. God says, you are murdering in your thoughts. Guys, you're murdering. Think of Hitler. He murdered. You are murdering when you keep that anger. I am murdering when I keep that anger in my heart. And Jesus sees it. Whoever insults, is the next verse. This is all in verse 22. Whoever insults. What is an insult? It's when I treat somebody with contempt. And there can be many reasons we do that. Because of their gender. Because of their age. 
too young, too old, because of their status in life or lack of it, because of their color. We can go on and on because of their education. We treat that person with contempt. We are insulting them. Everyone is made in the image of God. Who am I to insult, treat with contempt, someone who is a precious creation of the living God? Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. When we name call, when we ridicule, and remember, guys, I'm not saying you've gone out and to myself, not when I say it, but when I'm in my head and I look at that person, I say, oh, that's stupid. Only me who does it, the rest of you are hard way out there pure. God says, I'm liable to the hell of fire. The word he uses there for hell is gay, I've said it right, gay enna, gay enna. And gay enna is linked to the valley of Hinnom. And if you go back and read the Old Testament, do you remember when Israel was going astray, they had the valley of Hinnom where they worshipped, where was the, the edifice, the altar of the god of Molech called Molech. He's the god of fire. And they would sacrifice babies to this god of fire. So when you read Gehenna, what it's saying is this is accursed. It's filthy. It's the place where you just put anything that's useless or evil. And God says, when I name call, I am liable to the hell of fire. It's evil, it's useless, it's accursed. Oh God, how we fail. So in our anger, our contempt, inside, in here, our name calling, we are guilty of murder. Accused. So what do we do? Crumble a little heap and say, well, I'm so useless. No. God says, if you come to my presence, you come to the altar, go quickly and say, I'm sorry. Confess your sin before God and before man. Confess. This is how I'm thinking. And repent. Repent means change your ways. I'm learning, I don't get right, I find myself in a place in my head that is not good, godly, that is insulting, that is name calling. What do I do? I start my, my ways, I start praying, God forgive me and I pray for that person. Pray for good things in their lives. Satisfaction, kindness, all the good things into their life. And I kill that, I chase that thought away. Are we doing that? What is the gap? between our sin and our repentance. What is the gap? Do we mull and mull and mull? Or do we quickly capture that thought because it is ungodly? And Jesus says it's about your thoughts as well. Not just what people see. It's what's going on in there. Capture that thought. May that gap get shorter so before, may Lord Jesus, may I not even have that thought anymore. That's my goal. But when I start that thought, catch it. 
stop it. If my thought gets further and I start speaking it, stop it. What do I do? Confess, repent, come back to him. And he, he delights and he's there to help us. We prayed this morning, I, I need the Holy Spirit. I need him to help me to do this better and better. When we were first married, you know, everything, when you get married, everything's absolutely wonderful. Always. You love each other and everything's just la, 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 so romantic. It's not difficult at all. And it gets better as you get older. <laughs> it's a good battle. It teaches us so much. And when Terry, I think I've said this before, and I, but they just, God brought it to mind. If he said something and he made me cross, I gave him the silent treatment. I'm not going to talk to you. And I could do it for days. Thankfully, the sin and the confession has got shorter and shorter and shorter. I remember going, you know, a while ago going to sleep and I was cross with him and I wasn't speaking to him. And I felt like when I woke up in the morning, God said, forgive him and speak to him. He didn't like say, Lainey, forgive him. It was, it was harsh. So now before, you know, I'm angry in my thought. How could he do that? No, God, thank you for that's That's the reality of our life as a Christian. That's how we should be in our relationships. How are we doing on it? <laughs> Show mercy. And this is not my stuff, guys. This is what the Bible says. Show mercy. Pursue peace. Confess and repent. And love. Love. Verse 38 to 48. We read there a very famous law. You know that law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? I wonder if you know when it first started. 2,000, plus minus, 2,200 B.C. It was the law of Hammurabi. And one would say, but that's a harsh law. It's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But it was the beginning of mercy because there was not now unrestrained vengeance. You could only take vengeance for that which you had done. Jesus says, no. Not even a little bit of vengeance. No vengeance. No vengeance. No resentment. No retaliation. He gives three examples. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right tree, my darling, can I just demonstrate that? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> Please. So if I slap my husband on the right cheek, that's his left cheek. If I have to slap on the right cheek, I've got to position myself like that. But if I'm slapping on the right cheek, what am I doing? I'm giving him a backhand. And a backhand, thank you, my love. <laughs> a backhand is a deep insult. Because you're not even slapping, you are backhanding that person. It's a deep, deep insult. So when somebody insults you, give them the other cheek. Do not 
be resentful. Do not retaliate. Forgive. If anyone sues you for your tunic, give him your coat as well. Your tunic was like you would everybody, even if you were poor, you would have two or three tunics, maybe two if you're very, very poor. But not everyone had a cloak. And a cloak, if you did have a cloak, you had one. And it was not only protection that you wore during the day, it was your blanket at night. And Jesus is saying, give him your cloak. He wants you, he's suing you for your tunic. Give him, give him your cloak. That's the thing. It's my right. It's going to keep me warm at night. Jesus is saying, do not fight for your rights. We have no rights. I can do this. It is my right. No. Forgive. Forgive. Love. And the last one he says is, if anyone forces you to go one mile, Go with him two miles. In those days with the Romans, because they were the victorious nation, they could take anyone. You could be walking down the street and say, hey, you, come here. Take my armor and go to my house. It's a mile away and carry it. No matter what you were doing, you, you had to do that. Jesus says, don't only go one mile, go two miles. So if somebody asks you for something, they are discourteous when they ask, well, you didn't ask me nicely. They're discourteous. They're tyrannical. They're totally ugly. Yes, how can I help you? Oh, hey, this is hard stuff. I know I can't do it on my own. Only, only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus goes even a step further. Not only is he saying, okay, don't... Give insult back for insult. Don't stand on your rights. Don't not help just because personally they don't deserve the help. He then says, love your enemies. Agape your enemies. That's the love that Jesus demonstrated when he died on the cross. A total, sacrificial, giving love. R.T. Kendall says, do you have an enemy prayer list. You have an enemy prayer list. There are people who are personal enemies. There are people who are enemies to our country. There are people who are enemies to the world. Are we praying for them? Are we loving them? Agapeing them? That's Jesus' word to us. His teaching over and over and over again. But we, I think, and in wrapping this all up, sometimes I feel like, and I may be wrong, but we, we want the Holy Spirit. We want his presence. We want the good feeling because it is incredible. But don't expect me to do anything like that. I have rights, you know. How can I ever forgive that person? They insulted me. To my very core, come Holy Spirit. How are we doing really with God? Are we humbling ourselves? Are we acknowledging we miss the mark by law? Oh, the, the Bible speaks about grieving 
the Holy Spirit. There are many ways we grieve the Holy Spirit, but when we grieve him, he never leaves us, but we lose. It's like this wall. Shutter comes down. But God, I'm praying. I just don't feel like my prayers are doing anything. It's hitting the ceiling. I'm reading the word, and it's just like reading these words. and Nothing. Ugh, how do I read this? It's just blah, blah, blah. Check ourselves. Jesus, Holy Spirit, how am I grieving you? How am I grieving you? And I'd like to suggest even now, you write down, maybe there's people that God is bringing, as I've spoken this morning, that person or that group of people, I don't know, he's popped into your head. Take him seriously. Confess and repent. Sometimes we cannot deal directly with the person. It's a long ago hurt. They're not accessible, but you can confess and repent with your father. And you know what? It's not like there isn't a penance to pay. Because I mess up daily, regularly. It's not like, okay, Lanny, that's it. See you in two months' time. God doesn't do that with us. As soon as we confess, he comes like the prodigal. He comes rushing in. You know the prodigal son? It's not this big thing in the, in the, pig, in the pig sty. It happens every day, all day. And as soon as we say, oh, I'm in the pig sty. Sorry, Jesus, help me. He goes, oh, lady. He puts a ring on my finger. He puts a cloak. He gives me these shoes and he says, come eat and sup with me. Immediately, day in, day out. He is such a gracious God. Oh God, help us. So, so instead of, yes, we must consider. And I felt to say this today to some of us. One on the one side, how are we grieving the Holy Spirit? But on the other side, how much do you delight in the Holy Spirit? Are you prepared to let go of that, whatever it is, because you want to delight in the Holy Spirit? You want oodles of his presence. You want to speak with his words. You want to see with his eyes. You want to walk in his presence in the glorious glory that he is. Do we want that? Well, are these things of this earth too precious to us? My reputation or whatever it is. Do we want to delight in him this morning? Because he wants to delight in us, and he does. He's a forgiving, generous, gracious, wonderful, awesome, omnipotent, omnipresent, wonderful, great, amazing God who gave everything that I might have life. Everything. And he, you know what, even if I could just add, he knows my frailty. He knows that I'm going to fall and again and again. But he doesn't give up on me. He keeps on saying, come on, Lainey, a little bit further. Yeah, you haven't spoken to James for three days. Now it's two days. Now it's one day. Now it's, he, he's urging me on. He's urging you on. Come walk with me. Come walk in the garden. Come enjoy my presence. Shall we stand?